0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pat with the Cast Right Catholic Podcast. I started this with my best bud, John Karazinski, and we are two friends who are just trying to learn how to be disciples of Christ. We're trying to learn how to live and walk underneath the Father's blessing. And we're really hoping to publish this podcast together, but John had some things come up. He asked if I would take it solo, and we'll reconvene in the next week or two to publish one together. Uh, Along similar lines, we're really sorry we haven't published one in the last few weeks. We actually had the opportunity to help out with an online retreat recently, which took up some of our time. And it was, it was led by the priest who discipled, both John and myself, as well as some of our closest friends. Um, it was incredible. We were both, I think, leery of online retreats, but in the age of pandemic and social distancing, we gave it a shot. And it was uh, a really amazing experience. So we should be having another one in the next couple of months. I definitely encourage everybody listening to sign up. We'll advertise it in advance. It's free, so it's low risk um, if you're hesitant, and it really was um, very fruitful. Today, I want to talk about how do we process the events of the world. There are so many things happening in our world, and especially in our country. How do we process them as Christians? I know we're all trying to siphon through them and find what's good and true and right and beautiful. In this podcast, I don't want to give any sort of commentary or my opinion on a particular topic or issue. I think that there's definitely a time and a place for those conversations and dialogues, but that's just not the purpose of this podcast. The point of this podcast is how do we process the events of the world, or really any turbulent time in history in our lives, with Christ? How do we do so under the Father's blessing in a way that cultivates, that fosters love for our neighbor. And I have a really simple tool that I personally use and I thought I'd share. It's just a phrase that I remember. And then I'll spend the rest of the podcast unpacking that. And it's this, the meaning of history is mercy. The meaning of history is life overcoming death. It's light conquering darkness. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, In this world, you will have trouble. Take courage. I have conquered the world. In college, I actually had an opportunity to study abroad. And some of my experiences studying abroad helped bring about that perspective or that understanding. So, the program I did was based in Copenhagen, Denmark, which is not a place I had any aspiration of going. It wasn't on a bucket list or anything like that. Uh, If I'm perfectly honest, I probably could not have pointed out Copenhagen or even Denmark on a map, um, which is a little bit embarrassing. But they had a course I was interested in, and probably more impactfully, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, was also studying abroad in Copenhagen. So it made the decision easy. We were based there, but we spent a week in Poland, and the course was on the Holocaust, which was a historical study, a historical topic I just found Intensely interesting. It seemed to be human to the extreme in every way possible, and it always had this magnetic attraction to me. And when we were in Poland for the week, we were visiting all of the concentration camps and death camps that the Nazis had established during World War II. So you can imagine it was pretty heavy. It was emotionally very intense. was a lot to take in. I think the professor read the weariness in our face uh, when we were at Auschwitz, which was one of the Nazis' main camps in Poland. And and so he called a, a timeout. He said, why don't we just take some time to sit in silence and reflect and process everything we've seen and been discussing. I don't know the camp well enough to say exactly where we were when we did this, but in my memory, it was somewhere near the edge, the sort of fringe or outskirts of the camp. And it was this, there was this grassy opening that had an old stone foundation in the middle of it. I don't remember what the stone foundation was, uh, or the foundation of. I don't remember what structure was there. I think it was maybe a place where they were processing prisoners that were coming in, or um, it might have been an original gas chamber. It might have even been where they had the furnace that they put the bodies of of the prisoners that died, which is extraordinarily gruesome. Whatever it was, it was a part of the Nazi camp. It was a part of Auschwitz. And all that remained was this stone foundation. What struck me as I was looking at it, trying to process everything we were seeing and discussing was how the grass and the clovers and the moss were gradually covering the stones. And at one point, this deer came bounding through the, that grassy opening and was eating some of the grass and clovers. And what struck me is that I was sitting in this place that was the site of some of the most insidious and evil and horrific acts of history, certainly of our last century. And yet it was as if the earth, the ground, the soil was revolting, as if the turf said no to what we had done there in our broken humanity. What we in our brokenness had created, what death had sought to destroy, life was restoring. Life was taking it back. I found that so poetic and I thought that's the story. That's the story. It's so important to get the story right. I'm by no means any sort of expert historian or philosopher but I do like to read a lot of history and philosophy. And one of the things that always strikes me when I'm reading someone, whether they're a philosopher or a political activist, commentator, leader, whoever, is there's always a narrative that they want you to believe about history. There's always a story they want you to believe about history of which their ideas or their movement is a culmination. And this was true of Friedrich Hegel. It was true of Karl Marx. It's even true of guys like Adolf Hitler. That there is a narrative of history they want you to believe, of which their ideas, their movement is a culmination. And truth be told, we do this in our own personal lives. We believe narratives about our lives all the time. That, oh, this always happens to me. Things never work out. I have the worst luck. I'm a failure. Whatever the narrative is that we believe of our lives. And the problem is is if we get the story wrong, we run the risk of misinterpreting the events that occur. This was, I always thought was really true of someone like Karl Marx, who I thought made very poignant observations about the world. That the world has these broken economic systems that oppress lots of people. But he got the story wrong. And so he had the wrong remedy, the wrong response to the broken reality that he observed. In Christianity, we have our own narrative, we have our own story. And St. Thomas Aquinas said it could be summarized in two words Exitus, Reditus. Exitus, everything proceeds from God. All life, all creation, all existence proceeds from God. And Reditus, it returns to Him like breath, breathing in and out, like a dance. This is the original dance of creation, from God back to God. And what happens at the fall is humanity falls out of step with this dance, and we spiral farther and farther away from this life of God for which we were made, this life of God from which we were made. And in our brokenness, we need a Savior to come and lead us back to the life of God, the life of God for which we were made and from which we were made. And so what happens is the heart of God, Jesus Christ, leaps into our brokenness to lead us back to the life of God from within our brokenness. And we call this mercy. Mercy is the heart of God beating in the center of our brokenness and leading us back to the Father. It was Martin Luther King Jr., who I think is one of the great prophetic voices of America in the last century, who said, The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And I'm convinced that the justice he was talking about is the life of God. That the justice he's talking about was the love and harmony and peace and goodness and kindness and gentleness and justice you find in the life of God. And what makes history, what makes the moral universe, what makes all things bend towards justice is mercy. So anytime there's something horrible that happens in the world or in the church, I try to remember that the meaning of history is mercy. In the church, we've had some horrible scandals. We've had some horrible scandals in the last couple of years, but the history of the church is filled with scandals. And what I remember is that the meaning of history is mercy. That the point of the story, the church doesn't need to find some clever way of retelling the history of the church so that we push things under the rug, so that we hide it up. We can bear our wounds in all of their broken details because the point is not that the church is this oasis of people who already have it all figured out. It's the place where healing is occurring. It's the place where mercy is abiding despite brokenness. The difference inside the church, from outside the church, is that inside the church, there is hope that through faith, we can be transformed in love by the mercy of God revealed in Jesus Christ. That inside the church, the story is the story of mercy, and all of our brokenness is being assumed into that story of God's mercy. So no matter how broken, how bad it gets, the mercy of God abides, beats, pulses in the center of the church, in the center of our broken life. And if this is true on the scale of the church and humanity as a whole, The most astonishing part about this Exitus Reditus story that we tell in Christianity, the story of the return to God through the mercy of Christ, is that it unfolds in the heart of every single person. It's meant to unfold in the life, the inner life of every single human being. That history, the moral universe, bends back towards justice by mercy by mercy encountering every single human life. I mentioned that when uh, that I studied abroad and, and visited those concentration camps and, and everything in Poland, at the end of that course, we had to write a paper. And the paper was basically our reflections on our few weeks there and our reflections on everything we'd seen and studied. And I definitely shared that reflection about the stony foundation and the grass and the clovers and life overcoming what, what death had tried to destroy. But something else struck me while I was there that was actually really bothersome to me. And is that I couldn't relate to what the Jewish prisoners had experienced. I couldn't relate to what they had gone through and being arrested and brutally beaten and murdered. I couldn't, I didn't have the tools within myself to understand what that would have been like to experience. And we all want to associate with the victim. But the truth was that I could understand the Nazis a little bit more. And what I mean by that is I could understand what it was to put a uniform on, to put an identity on, to put a mask on, and try to live into that identity, to hear the voice of the world or other people saying, this is what it is to be you. This is what it is to be a true German man, a true German soldier. This is what it is to be whatever you think you are, and to try my hardest to live into that identity that I've assumed for myself. I could understand that. And we all wanna distance ourselves from the darkness. We all want to say it's impossible to understand how that could happen because it's so difficult to understand how what they did could happen. But the truth is, is that I had the ability to understand that a little bit more. I could relate to that more. What I had to come to grips with was that through my broken humanity, I share in their darkness is this really great book about a Nazi battalion in World War II called Ordinary Men. And it's how this battalion who received orders to murder a bunch of prisoners, a bunch of Jewish prisoners, was made up of barbers and tailors and butchers and grocers, ordinary people who were working out in the world and put on the Nazi uniform. I had to understand that I, as an ordinary man, actually have a sort of solidarity with their brokenness. I had to claim it, to recognize within myself the same dark capacity, to confess it, and to be asked to be made new, to say, God, I too don't always know who I am. I too succumb to the voice of the world all the time that's pressuring me to assume a different identity for myself try to share their darkness and their dark capacity. We have to come to see that every human person is this complicated mix of light and darkness that is in need of mercy to bend it back towards justice. That every single human person, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their education, their formation, or whatever idiosyncratic experiences they have in their life, is this complicated mix, this stony foundation in a grassy opening in need of mercy so that life can overcome death, so that light can conquer darkness. We have to see history through the lens of mercy. We have to, and when we see history through the lens of mercy, we will see the individuals with whom we have solidarity through our broken humanity. And now, Because of Jesus Christ, solidarity through our hope and the promises of God for true justice to be brought to fruition by mercy. And then at that point, we can have a clearer vision of our life together, a deeper understanding of our challenges because we located them within our own selves. We understand them from the inside. And then we can speak a response pointing towards true justice in the spirit of a genuine love for our neighbor. What I discover when I try to take this lens of mercy towards all the events of history or my life is that I love everybody involved, that The people on both sides of every equation, every issue, every topic are simply people in need of mercy where the story of Exitus Reditus is meant to unfold. A place where mercy needs to be at work bending towards justice that I share in their darkness and their confusion and their misunderstanding and their difficulty and their sin. But that I also share in the hope of true justice in the life of God. And I then desire for them to have the mercy that will bend their heart towards justice. I desire for myself, I plead for the mercy to bend my own heart back towards justice. So that we would all together move in the direction of the great ready to back into the life of God. It's like in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes to Capernaum and he enters the house of Peter's mother in law, who has a fever. And he heals her. And then suddenly everybody starts bringing the sick and the ailing and the oppressed to him. And in the Gospel of Mark, it says, And the whole city of Capernaum, the whole city was gathered together at the door. All the people and their ailments, their various diseases and brokenness, gathered together at the door of mercy. This is what bends history back towards justice. When we encounter every person through the lens of mercy, we process every event through the lens of mercy. We understand the true story of the ready-tos led by Christ. I have a a friend that I, I spoke to a few weeks ago, and she was too trying to process everything that's going on in the world. And she was in adoration, looking at the Eucharist with a tabernacle behind it, and she was thinking, you know, where is God? Where are you, God, in the midst of this? And the response came back, he is tabernacling with us. He is tabernacling with us. That we have to see that every human person is meant to be a tabernacle of Christ. Every human person needs mercy, needs the heart of God beating in the center of their brokenness that every human person is Calvary, the place where redemption is at hand and mercy, healing is unfolding. We have to see each other this way. We have to understand that Christ is tabernacling with us. And it's through his mercy that together we bend back towards justice. It's through his mercy that I, I, this is me where it needs to happen. In my inner life, I need mercy because I share the darkness and I also share the hope. And that when we do this together, we can all bend back towards the life of God, the life of love, harmony, peace, kindness, joy, justice, for which we were made and from which we were made. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, I appreciate it. I hope this is helpful and edifying. And until next time, this has been the Cast Right Catholic Podcast.